Hi, Chris. Oh wow, he's up like he's he's up, up today. I'm Damn, up. Jason, did you did you? Um, uh, Gucci voice. What have you ingested today? Have you ingested some some just coffee, or is there some superfoods in play? I mean, good guess. Uh, adaptogenics and superfoods are both in play right now, Chris. Oh, so he's he's absolutely fucking flying. This motherfucker's in a helicopter. He ain't crashing on the train tracks either. No, I'm I'm mixing my supplements. I got the ladder and the layered in me. The double L, the low hand. So you're saying you mix the ladder. You, what do you do you cut the laird with the ladder because i told you earlier it's funny you bring this up because i was ideating with friend of the show andrews okay on on you know because tinned fish is really hot right now even though i find it disgusting tinned fish but the there's been a you know there's been a lot of tinned fish in the news hot girls eating tinned fish etc cetera, etc cetera. Mm-hmm, and you mm-hmm. find it to be disgusting i mean it's it's like i guess if i was like a stowaway on a boat and that was the only rations <laughs> that i had i guess i would if i was only allowed to eat saltines and some sort of fish <laughs> i guess i would do that but sardines and saltines aren't really at the top of my list for uh, appetizing snacks. I can't say I disagree. But I mean, you know, sure, more power to you. But we were thinking kind of a, a how long gone version of this would be if if the tin, which the tins are cool. You know, we can all agree that the tin looks cool as a vessel for delivery and it has a nice sheen to it it has kind of a nice history it kind of looks you know vintage as some would mm-hmm. say yeah somebody was like all right this fan this can of fancy feast looks good <laughs> exactly but we need to make a different all right instead of a circle let's do an oval mm-hmm. and then boom mm-hmm. 27 dollars exactly. for the hand cured albacore but when you get the how long gone tin fish and you mm-hmm. crack it inside is actually ladder pre-workout just pre-workout just powder in a tin can mm-hmm. Exactly, because remember we were talking about cocaine coming in vials? This is kind of like that vibe. Okay. Because we're used to protein powder or, or, or pre-workout coming in these these large bags with a scoop or maybe a single serve if you're trying to kill the environment like me. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> it's more important, you know, it, it's we need to think about the delivery vessel because that is, you know, we're, we're kind of brand guys. We're, we're into marketing and stuff. I'm a packaging slut. Exactly. I think that this is an opportunity for How Long Gone to disrupt yet another failing industry. Uh, there's a call i have a call out please <laughs> so when you have the 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 pre-workout powder either in the uh the bro tub or the bro bag well you're thinking of creatine because i know that's your go-to i do have creatine on the mind as i am trying to bulk up for winter season as i uh i and i managed to do that without even trying this year unfortunately but it comes it comes in a, a container you know, a uh, 180 ounce. Yeah, it's large. Yeah. You know, it looks like a five gallon bucket. And so yeah. you're, that's going to last you, you know, days, if not weeks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And w- the problem with the tin is once you crack it open, that's pretty much it. So are we doing single serving? No, much like cat food, you can buy, you know, you can buy, a, let's say you can buy a 36 pack, you know, on oh. on on Amazon. And uh, yeah, they're single serve, but it's much. Okay, you know. single servings, but okay. So, you, so Chris said, you got, I mean, you guys are like doing an okay job at killing the environment. I am going to like really no, show Jason, you guys see, how it's done. See, and this is where this is where, of course, you're mistaken. Um, and as somebody who's on the front lines of sustainability, I'm aware that aluminium actually is is great for recycling. Oh, you can recycle these exactly, Jason. So not only are we saving the planet, um, we will not be taking the private plane to the uh, board meeting um, for this okay. for this company, but we will also be recycling 
uh, all of the tin cans after we pop the top and get get our pump on. When we go to NorCal for our meeting, we're going to travel mm-hmm. by train. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming just to kind of help help things yeah, out. Yeah, I mean, I, I yeah, that that's fine. Maybe we'll take one of Elon's tunnels. I would prefer a tunnel or maybe a speedboat. Um, but I, I, that, that seems a little more complicated and there is gas involved in that. Um, but I, I don't, you know, I don't know how, you know, I kind of just, you know, this is, this is fresh off the presses. Andrews made the suggestion and I said, you know, bro, I'm going to run with this. I didn't tell him I was, I like it. I didn't tell him I was going to do it on the program, but it, the point of that is that if you talk to me about any idea that could be applied f- to how long gone for us to make money, I will take it from you <laughs> and I will, I'll credit you on the air. So you get a shout out on the show, but you don't receive any monetary compensation. But we'll give you a really fat ass shout out. Yeah. Like, you'll get a fat ass like, shout out. And it'll I, be like 15 seconds of shout out. Exactly. Yeah. And I'll make sure that you get a, uh, the first case. After Jason and I, of course, and then our <laughs> and then our sponsored athletes, you, you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, well, I mean, and of course, after costs, you know. You know, I think it would be interesting if we only sponsored disgraced athletes. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Like, if we were like, you know what, Djokovic is kind of down in his luck. This this has been like a big deal. Let's send him. Let's send him a case of the how long gone uh, fish tin pre workout mm-hmm. and see if that kind of lifts his spirits. And if it does, then maybe we could talk business. Is how long gone? collaborative tinned pre-workout at the top of his <laughs> wish list probably not but Djokovic knows as a champion a dub is a dub you know you, you get one under your belt and we go from there exactly so that exactly. all that does is drum up interest from the other competition mm-hmm. and i think it's a i think it's a wise move for him i don't think he can afford not to partner with us and speaking of disgraced um, athletes partnering with brands. Mm-hmm. I, a, a loyal goner sent me a DM saying, check this video out. And it was a video of known motocross X Games legend, Travis Pastrana. I'm sure you're familiar with his work, Chris. I, I of, of course. I, I love the X Games. That guy fucking rich. And, and I'm just, is, is Pastrana, is he maybe from where you're from? Or is that just a feeling I get? He might as well be. I don't know sure. if he's, I can't confirm he could or be deny from, He could be from Arizona, but Arizona is merely an extension of Huntington. <laughs> so that, that kind of makes sense. But he's, uh, you know, for fans of energy drinks or motocross <laughs> racing, you guys have known that he's maintained uh, an endorsement deal with Red Bull for what feels like 20 years. Like most of my life, Travis Pastrana has been whipping yes. fucking badass yes. tail whips. Much, much like, much like friend of the show, Ryan Sheckler. You could catch, <laughs> you could, you could catch Pastrana in the, the Red Bull logo flat brim snapback, uh, in the, in the mid 2000s collecting those big old, big old checks. Yeah. So the, the, the shock and surprise that I saw. When the uh, the cool video that Travis put out, where it's him in his shed, and he's he's sort of saying like, you know, I want to give a shout out and a thanks to Red Bull after all these years of sponsoring me, but a, a change is coming, and he puts the Red Bull helmet <gasps> on the shelf, oh, and he uh-oh. dons a new helmet uh-huh. for his new sponsor, Chris. Do you know who it is? I hope it's Monster. It is not Monster. It's something even better. Is it bang? <laughs> uh, is it? Oh my God, Jason! Is it Celsius? It's not. It's something that goes bang, but it's not bang. Is it the NRA? Even closer. It's Black Rifle <laughs> Coffee. Oh shit! Oh shit! 
So you're you're telling me that this guy? So this guy's? Oh my god, bro! So that means Black Coffee has enough money to cut this guy a giant check. Yes, absolutely. What if Black Rifle sponsors R and B DJ Black Coffee though? Oh, well, wow, that's the that's the big link up we need. I don't think Questlove would like that too much. But what are you gonna do? I don't I don't think he would, and I don't know if their boards would really like brand uh, aligning with the POC. But you know that's. That is abso- absolutely twisted. So, in no surprise, in no surprise to anyone, we that obviously um, reveals some of uh, motocross star Travis Pastrana's political leanings. I, I would say I don't think anyone saw it coming that uh, motocross <laughs> riders would be into <laughs> nationalist views and and gun rights. <laughs> no, that's crazy. I mean. I, I'm very surprised by that, and I'm um, I'm proud of Black Rifle for having enough walking around money to to flow. I mean, Pastrama, he's seen better days. He's on, you know, he's no spring chicken. Uh, no, but, on, he's, on two he's, wheels, but he's a but, legend. Yeah, he's a legend in the game, like Pee Wee Kirk. Yeah, you have to think of the what's it called, the opportunity cost. That's something I learned about in community college. Yeah. I didn't know you actually went to any classes. I thought you just enrolled, but that's good to know that you kind of took something away from that. <laughs> yeah. Very good to know. Right. I, so, so, so it, it's, it's not a how long gone exclusive, but I'm sure we're breaking this news to a lot of, a lot of people that Travis Pastrana yeah. has left the, uh, Red Bull Energy Drink Corporation and, and taken his talents to, uh, Black Rifle Racist Coffee. Yeah. If anyone at Condé Nast wants to uh, get a quote from me, you know, you know where to find me. My email is in my signature as well as my pronouns. Yeah. He has his pronouns, his email, and of course his shoe size. If any of you guys over at, uh, Under Armour have any 17s laying around, you know where to find him. Yeah. Just email they, them jeans and I will get back to you post haste. <laughs> That is really that's really some cool news though. I, I didn't so the fact that Black Rifle is just like we we're gonna sponsor whoever just because we need to find some racists that are popular <laughs> is 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 pretty wild business strategy. Like the like there's what what on earth do they what business they have sponsoring a a famous motocross driver like that has no there's no connection to these two things. Yeah, I feel like people that race motocross professionally they're like coffee ooh. Yeah, like they think like that's nasty. It doesn't taste like candy. No, they only have they only have Red Bull or one of its its main competitors. Uh, you know, I hate to palate shame um, extreme sports athletes, but no, I mean, look, I think the the skateboarding community, unless they're on the street league tour, would have maybe the best. I, I would say the best palates in extreme sports. Um, I don't want to. I don't. I don't want to look. I don't want to start a riff in the extreme sports community. I know we have a lot of listeners uh, there, but maybe we'll get a top ten extreme sports palettes list in the new GQ. <laughs> Who knows? They've been working with athletes a lot. Sam Hine, can you can you get that going for us, please? I'll I'll, I'll call you if you don't do it. Jake Jake over at, uh, <laughs> Wall, Street at Wall Street Journal will we do need, it. Wall Street will, will be all. We over need this. a deep investigative piece on the best palettes in extreme, extreme sports on our desk. You know, now that we have, now that we've been featured in the Financial Times, maybe this would be, and it might end up being better finding a better home over there. Well, unfortunately, the FT is a little more European, and I think they would. Uh, yeah, I, I don't yeah. want to. I don't want to put words in their in their accented mouths, but I, I would have a feeling they might turn their nose up at extreme sports. It seems very low rent and American in some ways. You're right. You know, it's, it's different, but we do, we do have a guest today. Um, and he's into some extreme stuff as well. Not, <laughs> not uh, it, it's not wakeboarding. Thank God. Uh, but, uh, David, <laughs> David Lovering is the drummer of the legendary band, the Pixies. Uh, he's also played for years with cracker, many other artists, but, his his interest in slapping the skins uh, pales in comparison to his uh, alter ego as a 
scientific phenomenalist, mm-hmm. uh, which is his brand of magic that he has perfected uh, mm-hmm. over the last mm-hmm. you know ten to fifteen years. Um, and I am just this guy's got so many wild interests, and and I just. I don't even know where to start, TJ. Yeah, I like it because on paper, one would assume that this is not Chris Bate. You know, he's a fan of unicycle riding, cats, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. magic, sleight of hand. These are all things that I love. And these are all things that maybe you might not be drawn to as strongly. Yeah, but I mean, I've the, the beauty of this podcast is that sometimes I do it for you. But also, I mean, in this case... I, you know, I mean, I've had, you know, how many times I've been peeking on cocaine when the Pixies came on and MJQ in Atlanta in 2005. I mean, it's, you know, these, these memories run deep, uh, in all ways. And hopefully, um, he can get us into the magic castle. Let's, uh, let's give, um, (laughs) let's give David a, a big jingle. David, welcome to How Long Gone. Where are you coming to us from? I'm in uh, Santa Inez Valley, north of Santa Barbara. Okay, so you're kind of a NorCal okay, guy. Okay, so you're 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 up your way. So I live in Glendale, California. You know where that is? Oh yeah, because I I I, um, I lived in Los Angeles probably twenty something years, longer than I grew up in Massachusetts, and then I moved up to Santa Santa Inez Valley about eight years ago. So I'm very familiar with LA. So if I were to drive to your house, it would be what three, four hours, something like that. Uh, it, it generally takes about two and a half hours oh, to get easy, up and peasy. back from LA. But with traffic, you know, mm. especially when I'm going down to LA. Oh, <laughs> okay. So did you move up there for winemaking? You got a horse? What's going on? No, I wish. What it is is uh, <laughs> my. We were looking. You know, being a musician, I can live anywhere. It's pretty much, and I just got to be near an airport. Mm-hmm. So my wife, we were looking places to live out of Los Angeles, and we have two children, thirteen and nine boys and uh the impetus okay. of, of it was school so coming up here madonna Inn or whatever just traveling through and then friends up here also pointed this place out and uh yeah so it's it's just uh it's 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 a it's a piece of uh, peace of mind here i mean i'm, I'm in a town where there's about a 1500 people mm-hmm. so i have to behave or else everyone is going to know i'm an asshole so <laughs> sure 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 no i understand that uh, we we act like we we act like assholes for public consumption three times a week so we can't relate but i understand where you're coming from it's so it's so small tight knit and sleepy that you in in your mind you're like okay i'm like a 60 year old kind of dude who's chilling out and in their mind they're like Rock and roll lifestyle, you know, coming here to raise hell, party it, and you know, trash the town kind of vibe. Is that is that the energy that you could receive? Yeah, being sixty, you know, I've done all that. I have done, done it, done it, done it. And uh, David was doing donuts behind the Walmart again. These little fucking, he thinks he's better than everyone here. When we, you know, back in the day when we would get rental cars to do recordings of place, I would be doing exactly. I'd be doing donuts, and I. Took out a whole room of car, a whole wall of it, the side of side side of it, and everything like that. But yeah, I've never, you know, as many cars as I've rented, I've never, I've never really, you know, pushed the limits to, to because I had insurance, uh-huh. you know, and I kind of regret that. Of my, I've done some e brake tricks, of course, <laughs> but I've never really, I've, I've never really, you know, what I mean? Because I feel like some people really, especially back in the day, they're, you know, it, it'd be left to die almost. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's funny. I bought a car once. Well, my one of my a uh, car, I don't know, after the Pixies broke up, I bought a car, bought a Toyota. And I didn't realize, I looked at it like, it was a rental car. <laughs> and I can imagine, oh, someone like me drove it and <laughs> ran it into the ground. But the funny thing, I have a funny story about it, 
the trunk really smelled bad. It was just, it was death. It was death in that trunk. And Stinky I had some, little trunk. It was a, it was a Toyota, it was a Corolla. That's what it was. Mm-hmm. And I had some British reporters that came over to the States that were doing an interview. And this was about 1990, I don't know, 1995, somewhere on there, 194, something like that. And we took a drive down on PCH and we're going up to Malibu because I was going to do some metal detecting. They were going to film me doing some metal detecting on the beach. So we're doing Making that. Making a note of that for later. Carry on. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. oh shit. Okay. Yeah, please. Yeah. I have so many hobbies. It's crazy. But um, <laughs> we were on the beach. We got back on the car. We're cutting down. Um, I forget which road it is to cut back to Los Angeles. Not on the one. The, the, the one. And all of a sudden, a cop car gets behind me and a bunch of others get behind me tons of cop cars and they pull us over and i'm like i wasn't speeding i know that i didn't do anything wrong so the cops get out of the car with okay all all their guns drawn all the guns are drawn in my car what whoa two british guys in the back seat and they're shit in their pants and they don't and i'm telling them (laughs) I'm, i'm reassuring them i'm not i'm not a bad guy this is i don't know what's going on so the cop comes over the guard i roll down the window they draw and i have my hands up and everything like that and i go give me your out of the car registration everything like that it turns out that car, which is a rental car, which had the old plates, it was a murder suspect. And that's why my trunk smelled <laughs> so bad. Shit. It was probably oh, killed someone and put it in the trunk. <laughs> so they let me go and everything like that. So like, what, did you ever find like, out why your car smelled so bad? Yeah. Um, decomposing corpse. It's turned out that's what it was. Yeah. I mean, but good story for the uh, for the British press. He's like, hey, you know, <laughs> Scotland Yard were behind us, guns drawn. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy, man. Oh, I mean, man. hopefully you were uh, expunged of all the charges and you're a free man now. Oh, yeah. I mean, there were, there were no charges. It was They knew it was mistaken identity and that car was, a, was something that I bought. Yeah. yeah. You done any, you done any, you done any jail time, David? <laughs> um, well, this... Um, <laughs> no, I, I I haven't, but I've, I've got a drug story that kind of almost there. But um, can I go with that? Oh, oh, hey, we we share drug stories on this podcast <laughs> very often with ourselves and guests. It's welcome. Okay, it's welcome. Well, I'm a magician as well. I do I do magic, and I'm a professional yes. magician. And I have a um, I used to do a stage show called this Scientific Phenomenalist, mm-hmm. where. Um, I wear a lab coat and I just do science experiments, physics things. And a lot of the stuff that I, that I bought, I would do real crazy experiments. So I was doing that. I've been a magician for years and I was touring. I was opening up for Frank Black and the Catholics. That's what it was. I was, mm-hmm. uh, I opened up for a few bands with my act. And, uh, before I left from California, I bought about an ounce of weed with me and, uh, mm-hmm. I was driving <laughs> to the first gig or some gig. I don't know. No, it wasn't the first gig. We were doing gigs. And we were going through, I was on the 10 and it was about two or three in the morning. And I was going through Hudspeth County. And if you go through the 10 through Texas, you're going to see a giant agricultural stop, giant lights across the 10 freeway. So I'm coming up on that and the lights are flashing and I'm thinking nothing now. It's an agricultural guy comes over with the German shepherd and the German (laughs) shepherd starts jumping all over my car. (laughs) So immediately... They tell me to pull my car over there. They pull me out of the car, and I am looking at an off sheriff or an officer. And I can see my car in the distance. The officer is facing me, and I go, he goes, uh, do you have anything on you? And I go, yeah, I have a one-hitter. Automatically, boom, hands behind my back. Mm-hmm. Cuffs on. He goes, do you have anything in the car? And I look at the car, and I can see, um, <laughs> this is no joke. And I mean, I was only being honest. And my <laughs> suitcase was out of the car. It was on the ground. 
And I said, no, I don't, because I could see it. <laughs> and the thing was, I didn't put it in my suitcase. It was in my, it was in my backpack in the car. So right after I said that, the guy just pulls out the, the ounce and he slaps it on the roof. I'm like, well, you lied to me. And I'm going, I swear I wasn't lying. I, I thought it was in the thing like that. <laughs> it was that. semantics. It was just, gosh. <laughs> so they, they brought me inside. This is the best. This is the, this is getting good. So they brought me inside. On a technicality. And they sit me down. It's one officer facing me and he starts going, what are you doing? I go, I'm a magician. I go, so why can't you get out of the cuffs right now <laughs> all, those, all those all those typical things and i'm just yeah yeah so after a while conversing with the guy he knew i was a good guy i wasn't i wasn't any danger or anything like that so i said you want to see a magic trick he was sure so i did a magic trick to me he goes it it, it it wowed him he said hold hold on he got on me his intercom or his, his uh, walkie-talkie and he said uh, all you guys, all sheriffs, come on. And they closed, they turned off all the lights on the, on the tent to stop the agriculture. Oh, shit. All the sheriffs came Wait, in. this is all, this is all, this is not in like the, you didn't get taken to a police station. This is still at that agricultural stop. Still at the agricultural stop inside the <laughs> building there. So they're, they're all saying, the only thing, you know, you're fine here. The only guy you've got to impress is Hudspeth County, the sheriff, the main guy whose jurisdiction is that area, who is on his way coming. And he knows his magic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the so, heat is on. <laughs> so I get all the sheriffs in there before the before the uh, before the uh, Hudspeth County guy comes, and I have them all cough up twenty bucks. So they're all cough up twenty bucks, and I take a deck, I shuffle it, and uh, what they do is I give them the deck, and they're able to deal down as many cars as they want. When they stop, they put a twenty dollar bill and they put the deck on top. They give it to the next person. Blah blah blah. It goes along like that. So that's what I did, and then uh, I spread the deck, and it turns out every car, every. $20 bill that they put in was next to an ace. So it's all, oh, they're all going crazy like that. Oh, wait for the guy coming. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden the guy walks in and he goes, where, where is it? And they give him my weed, which was in a, uh, a, uh, uh, a brown paper bag. And he opens up the paper bag. He looks at it and he takes a sniff. And he looks at me and he goes, "Yeah." <laughs> he just shifts his <laughs> like, like, like up and down with his head, like, "Yeah, this is good stuff." <laughs> what? And I'm fuck? like, "Okay, yeah." So he comes over and I do a trick where he signs a card, and it just no matter where it is, it keeps coming to the top of the deck. It's just comes coming on top of the deck. Cool, 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 like that. I walk out of there that night paying a $500 fine. That was it. And my charge was carrying paraphernalia, which is a smoking implement. That was it. So Man. I got out of there. They absconded with, they, they smoked the rest of the, the ounce when I left. Yeah, they definitely smoked. So you're saying magic, magic kept you out of jail is what we're saying. Ma- yeah, it did. Magic has been, magic has been an amazing thing in my life. I mean, I, I did magic when I was a kid and, you know, that kind of ele- elementary school kind of one kind of show kind of thing. I never thought if you told me, you know, much later in life, you'd be a magician. I would be rolling on the floor laughing. I would never, sure, sure. never have figured I'd be one. But probably around 1995, I went to a, uh, a magic convention in Los Angeles with a friend of mine, a musician, Grant Lee Phillips. And he was a magician was, as well. Was, okay, so he was already into the dark arts of magic. Yes, yeah. Okay. And he kind of got me into it, and we thought we'd go together. So we go to this uh, convention, and a guy, a guy showed me a magic trick, and it blew me away. It was the first professional trick that just stunned me, where it wasn't you know, a kid's trick mm-hmm. or something. And at that point, it changed my life. I had to learn everything. I bought every book, every video. I took classes. I joined the Magic Castle. I did everything to become a professional magician and um, it changed my life in the terms of I, I was a shy guy growing up mm-hmm. and magic. I mean, even with the pixies, you know, I'm, I'm sitting behind a drum set 
I have four people in front of me. I'm in front of what a hundred thousand people at a festival. I'm not nervous at all, all because I have people in front of me. It, it doesn't mm-hmm. doesn't phase me. But my first magic show, I did in front of ten people, <laughs> and I could have wrung my t-shirt out and filled a Dixie cup with sweat. <laughs> it was so nerve wracking. But doing magic over these years, I've been doing it since 1995 uh, professionally, and it's given me confidence. It's given me a confidence to, to deal with people and talk, you know, cause you have to engage people and you have to go up and that seems and like a big part things. of it. That seems like a big part of it, actually. Yeah. It's, it, it's, it's massive. It, it changed me completely. And I got to say, you know, when the pixies got back together, I was in a band and I was a magician. Magician did magic did better with the women than a band. I'll tell you that. <laughs> oh, <laughs> all right. All right. Oh, okay. David. I go, okay. Because David, you you were just kind of shitting on on a joke that I really had planned. Whereas, like you know, <laughs> yeah, sure, sure, magic, it's gonna get you out of a out of a pinch with the fuzz or something like that. But I don't suspect it's it's drumming up a ton of pussy. But you're saying, <laughs> oh, oh, the contrary, the contrary, absolutely. I mean, I can't tell you. No shit, I can't tell you. I mean, Think about, a, a lot of the magicians we know are considered legendary stickmen. If you think, you know, if you think about it, Copperfield was known, you know, that's like he was not to go start at the top, but it's something to think about. (laughs) That's a good point. And he didn't play drums either. He just did magic. (laughs) He just did magic. (laughs) Okay. Okay. So this is, um, this is giving some hope to young magicians out there in the community, I'm assuming, because that, you know, like you were saying before, like. I was a shy kid, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like that's sort of, if you're hearing an interview with a magician, it's a similar tune that you hear. Absolutely. You know, I didn't have a lot of friends, you know, the cards became my friends and I was able to impress people with my tricks and I got, you know, that was my end. For me, it was comedy. For Chris, (laughs) it was cocaine. So we all have our thing that we, you know, we use to break in when we, you know, when we're not, you know, supermodels or captains of the football team. yeah. You got to do something to get your little ding dong wet. And you found the gift of magic. And it was completely blind. I mean, I had no clue. I had no clue. But wow. I mean, I wish I did it when I was in high school or or elementary school. You're like, so yeah, I was in, uh, ever heard of the Pixies? And she's like, yeah, 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 yeah. Could you, could you make that, uh, that nine of diamonds disappear again? So if you're, so if you're doing, where does, you know, because obviously, we, we understand how, how bands work. You know, you, you start a band, you practice, uh-huh. you maybe you record, you play some shows, yeah. you record, you play some bigger shows, et cetera. It, is magic the same trajectory? Is it like you practice, then you play shows and those just get bigger and bigger? Is that how it works? Now, I, if I should preface it by saying, I think both Chris and Jason that <sighs> to be in a band, you got to be good. Mm-hmm. You, not, I wouldn't say you got to be good. <laughs> you got to have something that's different. Yeah. Yeah. Different. Okay. It's got to be something interesting about it. And I think it's with magic. It's the same thing with anything. You've got to be kind of different in a way that'll catch people's attention. I'm sure you've got to be skilled and, and good at depth at what you're doing. But you've got to bring something else to the table. You've got to have a hook. You've got to have an angle. And yours was the gift of science, which i got to say, it doesn't sound like a panty dropper, but I'd like to hear more. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I toyed with every, you know, magicians, when you do a stage show, you know, I had done, card magic is my favorite. I love card magic. Mm. And, but to do a stage show, if you're going to make money, this was at a time when the Pixies broke up, when I was looking at a new career. And I don't think magic was the greatest choice to pick, but, um, to do a stage show. And before I got, before I, before I developed develop my stage show, I was thinking of the naked magician, the, uh, the, the lawyer magician, all these kind of, um, <laughs> how would you say characters, which a lot of magicians yeah. take, they take on characters. <laughs> and the only character that I think is the best 
is you. Thank you. The character of me is basically I'm a I'm a nerdy physics drumming magic guy, and I love I love mm-hmm. science. So what better thing than to actually pretend to be the naked guy or the lawyer magician or the Jewish magician or whatever like that to be the science the scientific anomalous, which is something I know. I know all about, and it's me. And I think that was an epiphany to me that opened up that whole world, and it made it much more comfortable and a direction to, to follow, which was much easier being myself. No, that makes sense. Yeah, when uh, if it's just like, hey, I'm a magician. The world is your oyster. There's too many possibilities. You get wound up in your mind. But if you focus on, I'm going to be a Jewish lawyer magician, or I'm going to be, you know, whatever it is, <laughs> then you have a you have a place to start. And then you can go from there. Yeah, but the the, the you want to be yourself. That's the key. You got to be yourself. You got to be yourself. Really, that's that's, I mean, what that's just most. that's good life advice. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, good yeah, life yeah. advice. You can yeah, apply yeah. that to any any career, really. Yeah. When you're opening, because so we you know we did a podcast tour this year, ah, and um, it was it was pretty successful, and and we were like, man, it would be cool if we opened. You know, for a, a big band, like a big tour, <laughs> yeah, you yeah, because that's that's something that you know comedians have done. But you're saying that that at, there was a time when when magicians were opening for bands, or is that something you paved the way for? Well, no, it, it was just it was just me. Just I'm just talking about me. I I I had my connection, of yeah. course, with the Breeders and some other bands, and of course, just bands in general. Um, and, and I was in the music world, so people. Uh, knew me and I, I was a much different kind of uh opening act than a, than a rock band so that that's what worked i mean i was even asked i actually went to um i did the all tomorrow's parties festival in, in england i actually asked me to go over there and do that and i was the only <laughs> non-musical act it was only myself and fred armanson and we were the only yeah. two non-people we would go on and everyone else was in a band and we, we did the shows there fred's also a drummer isn't he, he is yes yeah and it's funny, he asked me to do, I did Seth Meyers one, one week, I don't know, last couple, three years ago, whatever, like that to fill in for him. And that was a joy. That was, that was a lot of fun. Oh, that's cool. Very cool. I, I mean, this, this gives us hope is what I'm saying to you, David. This gives us hope. <laughs> yeah. This gives us hope that, that there are audiences that would want to hear us talk for 25 minutes, uh, before their favorite band comes on. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. even though we're probably not quite as compelling as magic, I think that we could, <laughs> I, I feel like we could keep people engaged. Jason, I don't know if you feel conf- as confident as I do. Uh, you know, no, yes and no, but it, it is kind of interesting. I'm kind of curious because even though you said you were able to kind of break in and and open for some bands and and open some you know festivals and tours and things like that because you already had these relationships, mm-hmm. was it still a little weird? Because I, I I figure if you're like, hey breeders, is it okay if I do my like science experiment magic before your concert? Are they are they just like oh yeah you're a friend that sounds awesome go for it do it or are they a little hesitant like eh, like no I think eh. everyone has asked me they've seen it they they know what mm. I was about so they've done it and um, the funny thing about it I got to say this was I mean I was touring especially on the Frank Black tour which is a lot of the U S um, I could do no wrong really because everyone knows who the picture <laughs> yeah that's are, a good point even that's if I point. sucked it didn't matter <laughs> so, yeah it didn't matter damn that's and they I like were, that. uh, when you were doing that were you also playing drums for him at the time only on one gig when we did uh, we were in San Juan Capistrano at the I think it was the coach house uh, I did the mm-hmm. gig I did the opening and then their drummer fell sick and uh, he had to leave for I think uh, the last two songs and I we actually got up there we played uh, 
yeah, we would play Gouge Away, which is a Pixie song, which I hadn't played in years because this was before the Reformation. And, uh, yeah, yeah. So it was, it was an interesting, uh, it was interesting night. So, so Black Francis is like, does anybody in the crowd know how to play Pixie? <laughs> Pixies on drums, and you're like, <clears throat> and then the funny thing was, I played Gouge Away probably not, I played a little faster than usual, and they're all like, wow, that was rocking fast. We loved it. <laughs> it, it. It worked out. So you're doing magic, doing your thing, and then you get a call like, hey, we're getting the band back together, and you're like, hell yeah, or you're like, damn, I'm just getting into my magic flow. No, no, co- correct. It's, it, it's funny because, um, at that point, like I said, Magic wasn't the greatest career to pick. So you're saying the Pixies Festival headlining gigs were paying more than uh, the, the Tuesday <laughs> open mic in Van Nuys? <laughs> you no bet, shit. you okay. bet. And the funny thing, you know, you've heard of the starving, starving musician, right? Yeah, yeah. Now, of course, the starving of musician course. is, that's a, that's a, you know that name, but there's the dying magician. That's the other. <laughs> the other, the other. Oh. You guys, you guys dream to starve. Yes. David, it's, it's pretty cool that you found someone to marry you with your career choices, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I have to yeah, say. It's, yeah. you've, you've, been, you've been lucky, man. Because, you know, because you have yeah. a lot. I mean, you must have something going on, you know, in terms of game you know as it were because you know if you if you look at your list of interests you know i gotta you know no offense but we know we got metal detecting unicycling magic you know i I, it's a it's an uphill battle in terms of finding a suitor am i I wrong these aren't traditional they're not they're not traditional interests. my question is david how big is your dick because something's going on here No, what it is is I have a lot of free time. That's that's what it is. I mean, mm. I mean, I've done metal detecting since I was a kid, and I've been into electronics since I was a kid as well. Uh, music I've been in since I was a kid. Unicycling I've been in since I was a kid. In a lot of ways, you're living the dream. You you truly are an adult, and you're living your childlike existence. But you get your shit. You have responsibilities now, and you still yeah, get I've got it a done. family. I have to provide. I've got work and stuff like that. But I've got a lot of lot of hobbies that I love, and um, mm. yeah, I've got to fit them in somehow. Well, this this metal detecting, mm-hmm. you know, I I. I the first question I have to ask is, it, it seems like something people do because it's kind of like meditative and you're spending time yeah. outside. Is that it's accurate? Ab- absolutely. Fresh air, a little time away from the old battle axe. Am I right, David? Yeah, I, I can't think of any uh, <laughs> anything that I would love more than being in an idyllic, idealistic place. Now, you're usually outdoors in a, in a very nice place. Yeah. No one around. You have headphones on and you have a slight tone in your head. And it's just, mm. it's it's peace. It's peace. I think... And Jason, correct me if I'm wrong. This seems like something I could see you getting into. <laughs> definitely, it definitely does. I mean, thank God Radio Shot closed down. Otherwise, I'd be in trouble because I'd because that little that <laughs> little beeping right sound. You know, that's yeah. kind of gl- God's click track in a way, isn't it? I yeah, it is. I mean, I know that tone by heart. And Radio Shack, I cried relentlessly. When that was. I mean, I'm, I'm, Radio Shack was my savior. I mean, I worked at. I actually have a ruby pen. From working at Radio Shack for six years. That's the the Radio Shack version again, the Rolex, right? Yeah, yeah. It was, and yeah, uh, Radio yeah, Shack was near yeah. and dear to me. I mean, I Radio Shack. I'm sorry the way it went. It yeah. Just uh, got out of electronics and went the wrong way, but that killed me. It killed me. Don't blame yourself, David. <laughs> but so if you're if you're out, so you're out here, you know, you're out here on the beach. You got your headphones on. You got your yeah. machine out. 
let's let's talk about your take home pay <laughs> right you know from the from this kind of this kind of work right you know because it seems like it takes a it's like a bird watcher like you're spending a lot of time yes you know what i mean it's a lot of time so have you pulled in some treasures or is it uh, yeah um like i grew up in massachusetts and that was that was the epiphany that was the uh the impetus of why i um got into it because of the history of the area that i grew up in oh i see okay so okay. i have coins from 1720s oh, shit. all the way up to current date all from i mean i have tons i have a bag like a bank bag filled with silver silver and copper and nickel all old all old i'm talking yeah nothing new i'm talking the 1800s 1700s early 1900s all those coins um, that's what I found in Massachusetts because it was, it's old there. Yeah. When I moved here to California, which I've lived longer in my life than Massachusetts, the beach was the only place that I could hunt here because it's not, it's old, but it's not that old mm-hmm. compared to where I was hunting before. So I bought an underwater detector and I was hunting the, the ocean every single day down at Santa Monica. Whoa, Venice, whoa, whoa, whoa. And hold on, hold on, hold on. So you put on the wetsuit and like the Well, tank? I, I, have a, I have a snorkel. I have a snorkel, a wetsuit and an underwater detector. And um, I worked all of Santa Monica, all that beaches for years and years. And I have, I have tons of jewelry, tons of wedding bands, watches, ring, you name it. That's what it is. I don't look for coins here. I look for I look for gold and jewelry at the beaches. So do you do you sell this stuff? Do you just keep it? Do you no? I keep it as a dowry or to show and tell. And I actually know every single one where they where they came from. Right. If you're going up the the one hundred one, there's these kind of these kind of pull offs on the road. You can see these beaches. You can go down and park. Mm-hmm. And uh, I pulled off on one one time, and a tour bus pulls up with Russian tourists, and I'm out on the beach. And and the problem with hunting around California is people always, what are you doing? What are you doing? Blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. You catch anything? Yeah, yeah. I wanted to put on like a nuclear suit and look like I was testing the water so no one would come near me. <laughs> but um, anyway, I am, I'm hunting and all these Russian tourists come around me. They didn't know what I was doing. And I get a signal and I dig down and I pull up a cocktail ring with sapphires and diamonds. And they all just, it was, it was crazy. It was Don't show some, some stolen jewelry to the Russians. They'll get hard as a rock. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Those guys love that That's shit. kind of their beat. That's kind of their beat, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then years ago, one time I had frequent flyer and I went to Hawaii. I went to Maui on a frequent flyer. And I stayed in the cheapest hotel on the island. And I, I rented the cheapest rental car. And every day I would leave. And for two hours, I would work in the water in front of every four and five star hotel on the okay. island. Okay. Smart. So I, I was there for seven days. I worked 14 hours. In 14 hours, <laughs> I took home 20 men's wedding bands, big gold honking <laughs> ones. Right. <laughs> and oh my God. I am, I'm, I'm kind of getting, I'm kind of getting upset because I'm not finding diamonds. Where's the engagement rings? All I'm finding is this some bullshit. Yeah, yeah, of course. Bands, yeah this bullshit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The last day I get my 21st ring, it's an engagement ring, but it had been in the water so long that diamonds had been knocked out of it. I mean, I can't uh, think of anything more ironic. Oh, that. <laughs> that's, 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 that's poetic. Okay. So that's you, poetic. you got 20. 
wedding bands. Yeah. And then you, they, you just throw them in a bag and put them in your closet. That's it. Bye bye. What do you know? I have a little um, safe here and I have all my treasures in it. And when people come over, I just take them all out and just show them all. Okay. Does, does your wife ever be like, maybe we can uh, start selling a couple of these guys? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's a nice, um, how would I say? It's a nice um, savings for a rainy day or something like that. A little nest egg. Have you ever considered cashing those coins in? And then getting you a little Bitcoin? <laughs> yeah, yeah. The only thing I've, I've, I've thought about it was taking all the jewelry and buying a smelt and melting it down into just a giant piece of gold bullion. Well, you got, well, you got two kids, and they're, you know, after talking to you for 30 minutes, I can tell they're Ivy League candidates, and that's not cheap. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's not cheap. So I, it's something I to, hope so. It's something to keep in mind because these scholarships, you know, it's tough. You know, it's, it's, it's very competitive. I pray for scholarships. So yeah. have, have you ever, have you ever found, cause you're saying all this stuff and you're kind of like, oh, I just found all these wedding rings and things like, you know, these are like very personal heirlooms for people's yeah. lives. Yes. And you're kind of yes. speaking it, speaking about these things with, with yes. a, a lack of sympathy, yeah. perhaps. <laughs> you yeah. know, what, what's, what, what's the logic there? <laughs> You're just a cold-hearted snake? What's going on? Uh, I'm desensitized. What it was okay. was originally, you know, I thought there was a calmer in finding like, a wedding ring. Yeah. You know, well, I have to return it or mm. stuff like that. But I found so many, and I can't. And it's just like I've given yeah, up. Of course. If you're going to lose them. Hey, you're not, you're not going to post on Craigslist like, no. found diamond ring. Is it yours? Come pick it up. Yeah, I'm not being, I don't mean to be a bad guy about it. It's just, that's what I, you know, it's just. No, that's that's fair. It's it's another, uh, one man's one man's trash is another man's treasure. No, nobody assumes <laughs> that you're a bad guy. Yeah. How many of those rings, how many of those rings in Hawaii do you think were thrown off the balcony in a fight? No, that's true. <laughs> that's I, a, I I can only imagine the, the the rings that were thrown because of disgust or or, or something that happened. There's got to be a small percentage of those that are. That yeah, are, I I, w- I would imagine it would be. You'll get there one day, Chris. Don't worry. <laughs> I, I'm just going on detecting stories, but I had someone, a friend of mine, asked me. He had lost his ring in his yard while he was gardening. So I brought my detector over there, and I, I get asked this <laughs> all the time. Someone's like, "Oh wait, I got a guy. I, I'll get a love ring over call, here." Yeah, call Lover. He's 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 off. Honestly, this week. honestly, he's I, not cheap, but he's good. So I go over this guy's house, and I'm going through the yard and i'm not finding anything all of a sudden i get a signal i dig down and i pull up a gold ring like here we go i got it we got a hit it's not his <laughs> it's it was somebody else's from the previous owner <laughs> so i get okay i get to keep that and then i look around and i finally <laughs> i finally found his ring and his ring was amazing he's a german guy the ring was imagine imagine a wedding band that goes around but it's not connected and there's a diamond that is connecting them. That is just held oh. there by the pressure. Oh, it was oh. absolutely stunning. You had to. Ret- so it was one for it was one for you, one for him, kind of. Yeah, you know, yeah. Give and yeah. take. I mean, how yeah. many? So how many guns have you found? That's the real question. <laughs> uh, I found an old, uh, like I say in Massachusetts, I found a lot of um, weaponry, uh, revolutionary. I have a lot of. Um, oh, okay, okay. So, so when you're on the 101, though, you're not finding like a discarded nine millimeter. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> but if any if anyone cops cops want to call me, I'm 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 available. I'll help out. You know, after your last story about the the body in the trunk, you know, I'm starting to yeah. I, I'm wondering about what this guy's really doing, Jason. Mm-hmm. This drums this drumming <laughs> thing sounds like a cover. If yeah, you're, you're like the Zodiac detector. You're trying to give us <laughs> clues, and we're on to you, David. <laughs> that I mean, so you do this, so people will hire you to do this, or you do it for fun, or both? Yeah, just for fun. Yeah, just okay. For, okay. You no, know, okay. if if someone asks me, um, especially a friend. I'll do anything for a friend. I've been asked many times on the beach 
to come to my house. I have to find this. I can't do that. I can't do that. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's, if it's, it's someone far. I know, absolutely, I'll, I'll, I'll accommodate. I'll it's so, me. it's so interesting because like when you, like we've all grown up going to the beach and seeing the metal detector guy. Yeah. Uh, speaking of, how how often are there metal metal detector gals? Uh there were a few, not as many. Uh, a very small percentage on the beaches, but um, is this a community? Like, is there like a Reddit community? There like is a, oh, a Facebook course. group. Okay, I'm just I'm I'm just wondering which one you're a part of. You know, uh, I'm on. I have a I have about seven or eight detectors. Um, they're all different types. Um, and I'm on the groups for all of them, as well as all oh, the, just okay. metal detecting groups, uh, to, to, you know, just to talk and talk about your finds and, you know, research is, 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 is key. You have yeah, to research course. and to turn over what you want to hunt. You have to research. And once you have all that information and you know what you're looking for, you take the detector or just throw a bunch in the car. What, what, how much do these things run? Like, what's the price range? Uh, I would say if you want to get a quality one, you're, you're spending $800 up all the way to 3000 Okay. All right, Jason. So, you know, your birthdays, I got some time to save my, my ducats. Yeah. So I'm going to, uh, David, I'll hit you up for some recommendations, but, yeah, I, but I could see this. No, a lot of the, oh, wait, sorry, really quick. A lot of, a lot of the similarities between this and, uh, like fly fishing are kind of coming mm. through in terms of <laughs> you got to have different hooks for different streams. And, yeah. you know, the only, yeah. the only difference is, with with fly fishing you just lose thousands of dollars and with metal detecting you could possibly be making thousands of dollars yeah 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 and, and jason i should say if you do get one yeah being in, in glendale i think uh uh-uh. you know on, on the land there if you have permission to hunt i mean los angeles is old there are places that are old there especially homesteads that you can find that it might be old you'll find coinage there mm-hmm. but i think the best thing for you if you're going to get a detector i would get an underwater or a beach detector. yes let's go the, the beaches yeah, yeah. he's a beach he's because he needs this yeah. he, he has a lot of free time a lot of yeah. <laughs> and, and and what's wonderful about a beach detector is you know if you're on the land and you get a signal you got to dig a hole and you got to kind of go down on the beach it's sand it's so easy mm. to dig down using a scoop or something or a sift kind of thing to find something so it's it's a lot easier job and to find and and once you learn to, de- to your detector you can hone and know those signals. You know what a coin is. You can tell the tone of a, mm. a ring. So you can sit there and, they, and all these detectors also have discrimination. So they can cut out the pull tabs, cut out the nails. Oh, and you're wow. only getting wow. the good stuff. Okay. So you can get this thing dialed in like one of your one of your pearl snares. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe you're a wait, who, who are you a Ludwig guy? Who are you sponsored by? I'm a I'm a Gretsch I'm a Gretsch guy, but I Gretsch yeah, guy. I got Pearl, I got a lot of I got them all. So yeah. This is yeah, this is fascinating. I have to say. I, I I think that I really do think this would be a good hobby for Jason. Yeah. I think we could be on the cusp of a renaissance of metal detecting because <laughs> when you know, the height of it was what in the 80s probably when the technology became kind of more uh, consumer friendly. Well, actually, the height of it is now. Oh, um, COVID, oh okay. the COVID, yeah, the COVID it's, effect. Uh, so, it's like tennis. It's a solo sport. And I, w- I wouldn't say technology. I would say because of the uh, the press, you know, media oh. and things about metal detecting. It's it's been. There's a show called The Detectorist that's been on in Britain, 
which was huge. It was a, a show that I watched and I actually cried. I actually <laughs> cried watching. I cried watching the detectorists because it's not only really? about the detectorists. Of course. How it's, it's human, it's human interaction and stuff like that. But wow. it was an awesome show. Are I, you saying that metal detecting is also about the friends you make along the way, David? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fuck yeah. me. This is, okay. this is, uh, yeah, I'm, I gotta say. Isn't it funny how only the British can be like, we've got a show where we like uh, fix up old cuckoo clocks and then by the end of it, you're just like, yeah. God damn it. <laughs> oh, it's so awesome you. show. Like, awesome. Honestly, <laughs> honestly, David, it's so it, it's so nice to hear about any TV show that's not Succession right now that I I'm 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 willing <laughs> to pay extra for the BBC this month. Right on. Well, let, uh, speaking of film and television, I was actually just thinking what you know we we like to talk a lot on the show with when we have band members and musicians about different syncs that they get. You know, for musical things, but you know, I don't necessarily need to do a sync talk with you. Uh huh. But uh, you know, more curious about like the Pixies bump when um, when Fight Fight Club came out, and you guys uh-huh. kind of had a real like what what happened to the Pixies at that point for you guys? That was crazy because I mean, I'll preface it by saying this: my mom, my mom knows everything I've done. It wasn't till I was on whatever ten, whatever late night show, Leno or Letterman or whatever. Yeah, something I was on. Mm-hmm. That was the point that I made it. Of course, I, to my mom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That I was on TV. It was, it, you know, that was the point I made it to her. So, Fight Club. I'm just, I'm kind of uh, bringing, simulating it on that that level. Yeah, it's the same thing. There's so many people that know where is my mind of the Pixies just because of Fight Club. A whole, you know, basically everybody younger than Chris and I. That was. Very often, their first introduction to the Pixies. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. And then, and then that that turned that song, which is a song that you guys have you know recorded. I don't know however many years before Fight Club came out. Eighties, yeah. From the eighties. Eighty seven, eighty six, or yeah. Not unlike a you know a buried treasure in the sand. It's mm-hmm. just like, hey guys, we we made where is where is my mind? You know, thirty years ago. Why weren't you guys liking it then? Now it's like you know they. <laughs> It's like the old, it's the ultimate song to play at the end of a movie, even if it's happy or sad or yeah, you know, true. like a Marvel movie or whatever. It's just like yeah. so poetically perfect, and it's like, what you guys has been sitting here the whole time. It, it's funny because I mean that it, it, it was just astounding. I would just say I would say surreal. Yeah, this movie comes out, and it it, it increased our it increased our uh, I would say our a, a demographic say yeah that'd be the word uh, as far as the people that knew about the pixies just because of a movie and that was stunning that was just well, wow. you guys are you guys are one of those weird bands though that i feel like also is just kind of cool forever and for everyone and it and like it's just gonna there's gonna be peaks and valleys in the career like that yeah where you know what i mean where it's like we've been Thanks, we've been around for a long time it's a record that your older brother might give you kind of vibe. You know what I mean? It's like kind of, there's like, you know, really there's like 10 or 15 records that feel like that, that, that like I didn't have an older brother, but that kind of sentiment, you know? So I think if you've been around long enough, it's, you know, it's, it's what's happening with TikTok right now, to be honest, it's like you bands are fully dormant and a song gets big again. And then it's, you know, you have a second life, you know, and it's it's, it's bigger, it's bigger than it ever has been. I think that like, TV and movies were the only thing that could do that with our with our generation. Now there's a lot of places, but you know, commercials. I mean, even commercials like the Feist era of one, two, three, four, and like the Apple commercial. Yeah, yeah. That's that that's over now too. I think. Yeah. 
Like I, I don't, you know, that doesn't happen the same way it used to either. It's just interesting to see the different phases. Yeah, the the new commercial now is Noom or whatever like that, and it's it's where's my mind? Oh, you're in the TV new- now. Oh all the time. shit, I love it. I, and it's, I love it's it. It's the one about weight eating or something or eating food or yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll get to t- I got to tell you something, Chris, Jason. Mm-hmm. If the Pixies are on the radio or on TV. Somebody's got to tell me because I have no, I can't tell. I, <laughs> I, I can't hear it. Well, that was, I was just going to ask because like, yes, all this stuff happens and it's in movies and TV shows, but you don't really get a chunk of that because Frank Black's taking all of it, right? Well, in that, that, in that level too, we, we, we share it, but oh. I'm, I'm just talking about sonically. I mean, oh, you're just, you're just, you're I, just too, you heard I, it too many times. I, I, no, I mean, the Pixies could be on the radio and I, somebody's going to tap me and go, Hey, that's you. And it's, it's just, I don't hear it. I just really, I, I can't explain it. It's on TV. My son said, Hey, isn't that your song? And I'm like, what? And I'm listening. Oh yeah. <laughs> that's interesting. That, you know, that, that's happened to me every once in a while. Like, you know, a, you know, it doesn't not necessarily a song that I made, but just like a song that's like a big part of your life or whatever from a long time ago. And you hear it in a hotel lobby or you hear it or wherever. And you're like, I don't know what this song is, but I know this song. Like it's yeah. in my DNA. Yeah. Like something about yeah. it. Like my, making the hairs on the back of my neck stand up. But it's weird. Like you like wrote a song. You drummed on it. You made. You know. You sang on a couple of Pixie songs, mm-hmm. and it could come on, and you're just like, oh, that's music. What <laughs> What do you think that is? Do you, are you repressing old memories? No, I, I I don't think it's because of hate of playing it so many times. I think it's just it's. I mean, I love, I love music. I know I can hear, I hear everything, but for some reason, maybe I think it's cacophony or I just, I just don't discern that it's the Pixies. I, I can't explain it. I don't maybe, know. I, well, I, I kind of feel the same way as you. And one theory that I have for the way my brain works is that, you know, you seem like a very smart guy, you know, electronics engineer, a uh, musical genius. So, you know, we're kind of two peas in the pod in that regard. And I like to think of my, I like to think of my mind, pardon the pun, as, you know, a, a computer hard drive. It's a MacBook Pro, fully maxed out, of course, but yeah. the hard drive only has so much room in it and you got to, you know, you got to empty that recycling bin every once in a while or else you won't have room for all the new files. And that's kind of, you know, that's the way yeah. I like to justify my onset memory loss as I've smoked and drank myself, you know, away. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I find myself, I mean, I'm 60 years old right now. I um, I don't know if it's forgetting because of pot or whatever. Like, I, I, <laughs> I, 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 can't, I can't discern which, way, which, which one it is. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there are sometimes I'm going to do something and what was I doing? Of course, no. That, that it's that, a little pod. It's a little age. I mean, if you are yeah. you are you are traveling with an ounce, so you know it sounds like you had a <laughs> you marijuana was your was your friend. The the one hitter was merely a suggestion. Yeah, clearly you were yeah, doing was, something a little bit. Yeah, little, so little so what is? Are you still enjoying the devil's lettuce? I do, but not as as much as I do. It's only when I am uh, not home, as far as being a parent, stuff like that. So when he's on the road, he's cutting loose a little bit. Ex- exactly, yeah. As long as you're in a city and state where it's legal, of course. Of course, of course, of course, of true. course, of yeah. course. Are you, so you guys are <laughs> true, are you true. touring this year? No, we we've been. Uh, what happened? Uh, we've been we've been off for two years. Um, we had a world tour. We did a new album, yeah. and we were. Uh, this is in 2020. The new album was released in September, and we were starting to tour on it. We were supposed to play in February of 2020. 
China, then Hong Kong, and then Japan, and then New Zealand, Mm. and then Australia. Of course, China went down. And of course, Hong Kong went down. Then Japan went down. Mm. So we went to New Zealand. We did two shows in February and then heading into March. And then we got to, we got to Brisbane in Australia to do on a day off. And it was a day off. And I went out with the crew and we just drank, 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 drank all day from 11 o'clock to one in the morning. (laughs) And at three o'clock in the morning, I got, I got a text. We're leaving the country at six o'clock in the morning. And I was like, oh, oh. <laughs> so that was it. That was the last time playing. The tour manager, and, the tour manager um, always takes the fun away. I tell you what. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, it's funny because I, I had a conversation with uh, a friend of ours who was on the show, a musician named Kevin Morby, and he had a similar. He was in, they did a similar thing when he was on tour. And then he found out while he was in New Zealand or Australia that he was on a plane with like the 70th case of COVID ever recorded. Whoa, wow. Because it was still those early days when no one yeah. knew, knew what was yeah. up. But it was a very similar thing. He was yeah. supposed to go to Japan. They ended up doing this or that. But it's it's all, I'm sure that was a wild flight home. Yeah. So I'm just, it's been two years now and I'm just waiting uh the t- in 2021, which was this uh, last year, we had the tour moved over, the world tour, and now it's 2022. So the tour is scheduled to start. Uh, well, I have one show supposedly in uh, Mexico City on the 20th of March, and then mm-hmm. another one hopefully coming up in April 1st over in Europe, and then the rest of them starting all the European the world tour starts in June. So that's all with fingers crossed. I mean, yeah, fingers you know, crossed. This is just this is just crazy. I mean, if they can, can go to church, why can't you have a band play? Mm, great <laughs> point. Come on. Great point. We we stand with you, David. Maybe you need to switch up some of the lyrical content to lean a little more Christian. We'll be all right. <laughs> yeah, what, yeah. Yeah, what's the- Come on, Supreme Court, open these venues. Speaking of uh speaking of world travel, what Two-part question. What country goes the most gaga over the Pixies and what country goes the most gaga over the magician work that you do? Ah, okay. Uh, oh, wow. Looking, okay. Um, what's funny is the Pixies, when we first started, uh, it was Europe, England, uh, Holland, and the rest of Europe were caught on to us really quick. And, and what, what year was it the first time you went over across the pond to do some shows? This is 1986. 1986. Mm. Do you remember who you played with some of those early shows over there in London? Oh, gosh. No, it was, I think it was all headlining ourselves. We might have done. Let's go. I can't think of who we might have. Well, My Bloody Valentine, something like that? Oh, My Bloody Valentine. We played with plenty of times back mm-hmm. in the day. Yeah. Like I said, that was early on. But now. South America. Yeah, yeah, yeah. South America. Mexico. Mexico is number one. Come to Brazil. Like you got you guys are doing like soccer stadiums in Mexico. Like it's crazy. Yeah, we we did the Zocolo. I can't I can't pronounce it. Socolo. It's the it's the giant it's a giant city park uh in yeah, Mexico yeah. City. We did that um Oh yeah, yeah, I've been there. Uh four de- four years ago. Actually had a um a local street music street magician slash comedian uh insult me in front of a crowd of hundreds of people the last time I was at that park. So What? You know, that is a little triggering for me, David, so if you wouldn't mind apologizing, <laughs> pray for TJ. Pray for pray for but, Jason. He he goes. There's through a something. Lot. I, it, it's always so fascinating about those bands. Like a lot of them are are typically kind of like the hard rocking bands where it's just like they have that thing where they just are so huge in South America and Mexico. Like yeah. you know, a lot of the '80s kind of hair metal bands and Metallica's and all those bands, but also you know like the Strokes, Rush. Yeah, yeah, sure, Rush. But like the Strokes are also really huge over there. Huge, Depeche so Mode. It's like a, yeah, like I don't know what it is about a band 
to have that thing where yeah. just down down in Mexico way, it just goes crazy. The, like, the only thing I can think about South America, I mean, that's the only place in mean, Brazil and Mexico, I have to go in an assumed name. Really? Where it's, it's, it's that crazy. It's that people love the pixies. You got to check in the hotel and under a different name. On a, on a different, Lucia Saint, I would use. But anyway, oh, don't, come me, on. Let, come on, Senior David. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But, but, um, what was I going? I forget what I was saying again. Oh God, it's this pot mm-hmm. or something or my age. I don't know <laughs> what I'm saying. I'll, I'll clean up all of your stoner thoughts in, in post. Don't worry, David. Yeah, you know how you, you know how it works. Well, actually, David, I had a couple more questions as the. I, can I can I can I add on something, Jason? I'm please, sorry. Please, of course. I remember. Of course. I remember. I I think I know why we're big in South America. Mm. It's because our early albums had Spanish in it. Oh yeah, and that's the only thing. Oh, I, that's true. That's the only thing I can equate to it. Why we have this 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 this, uh, this zest for us mm-hmm. but. but i think it's like a certain kind of rocking like it doesn't have to be the hardest rocking you know like you guys the strokes you know you guys aren't like mega death level of of shredding mm-hmm. but you guys have a certain just like mm, it's like a i don't know it's like in the blood it's in the dna like a certain tempo a certain tone and it just mm-hmm. kind of speaks yeah. to our bros down south i don't know what it is but like if you can hit that sweet spot yeah you know you have a career for life and those fans down there they're just so much more Loyal. loving than anything yeah. you'll get playing yeah. at the fucking yeah. the Greek theater or something like that to a bunch of guys <laughs> like us with our arms folded, you know, <laughs> yeah. looking at our watch. I have a good Greek theater theater show uh, story. If I tell you. Um, we were doing the Greek theater and it was at a time with my stupidity that I was wearing all white, all white, white pants, white shirt. It was white a look. Hat. That's what I played. It was a look. Mm-hmm. It was a look. And anyway, I love wine. I love red wine. I love red wine. Okay. So, okay. Uh, David, I see where this is going. I see where this is going. You know, is, it, is it a that time of the month story? But no, we're going Merlot. <laughs> so going the show Merlot. ends and I meet everyone in the after party and I'm getting my wine. I love it. All of a sudden, I fall or something and it wasn't drunk. I tripped or something, but all the wine went over me and I was covered. My wife thing of red. Looking like Andrew W.K. I don't know if it makes any sense. It's a great story, but... It's just from the Greeks. Did you have Greek to? Theater. Did you? Did you have a change of clothes in the in the wardrobe case, or did you have to rock? Yeah, I had to. Uh, yeah, yeah, I had to just uh, shamefully leave. And uh, yeah, I mean, I feel like after you just you know headline a sold out show at a big you know legendary arena like that, you walk around with wine all over you. You wear it as a badge of honor. Yeah, right. <laughs> Hey, gentlemen, I have some other stories that might be interesting. I could tell you. I don't know about. Uh, please, please. We got we have we're like, all ears, buddy. That, we're here for you. We have like five, six minutes left. So give us your the best you got. OK, I'll run down. OK, Kurt and Courtney, Kurt and Courtney. OK, Whoa, let's go. OK, <laughs> okay. shit. OK, all wait, right. yeah. we don't have five to six. We got 15 to 16 now. <laughs> OK, OK, right, things change. OK, so this is 1990. What? Five. This is when Nirvana's album just just hit big, huge. Mm-hmm. And uh I had friends. We knew, we knew Kurt and we, well, we knew Courtney and Kurt and Courtney. And, uh, we went on Super Bowl Sunday to Six Flags in Valencia. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're not into football, I tell anyone, if you want to go to Six Flags, that's the day to do it. There was nobody oh. there. It was empty. Kurt and Courtney, not football fans, huh? <laughs> <laughs> so we'll walk, we're now, now mind you, now Nirvana have hit it huge. They're, they're huge. And I'm with them. Yeah. We're walking around and Curtin is in, is he's in his pajamas. He's in his pajamas. He's mm-hmm. unmistakable, right? We're walking around Six Flags and some kid stops. He goes, Oh my God. Oh my God. It's David Lovering. <laughs> 
No way. I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. Kurt and I looked at each other and like, this is fucking, this is nuts. Because I'm next to the guy who's the biggest guy in the world. And I'm in a guy who's in maybe a critically yeah. land that nobody knows. But this guy calls me out. <laughs> By name, full name. That's got to feel. I mean, and the drummer too. Yeah, like, that's what, great. What, man. What? Not Frank, not Kim. But like, I mean, when you when you when you just said David Levering, I was like, who? I'm like, oh yeah, I'm the guy I'm talking to right now. <laughs> no, that's crazy. But what, I mean, I feel like Kurt wasn't he like a, a he, he was like a huge Pixies supporter, right? I, he was. Yeah, yeah I remember that's that. Why, yeah, that's yeah, that was the connection. Though, why we were going out? Yeah. So he was probably just like, yeah, it's fucking crazy. We're, I'm 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 at Six Flags with the Pixies right now. Of course, He's like <laughs> he wasn't even phased by it. Probably He's like, yeah, yeah, you should be acting like yeah. this way, kid. Yeah, I don't look at it that way. But we saw we saw that. Yeah, we we were doing our research. We did see that you chose cracker over foo fighters and i would like to say that was smart i i, I prefer <laughs> i prefer that and i think you made the right decision i don't care Roll what asked says. you to be in the foo fighters and you knew you knew that eventually they would become one of the dorkiest bands in the world and you said no it's not worth it <laughs> well no no it's just that i i um that was a joke but not a joke yeah but i understand i just wasn't i wasn't ready or i didn't have the information or something like that that right happened. right uh, right yeah but yeah all the, I mean, taylor is an amazing oh yeah, yeah he's a great I, drummer he's a great drummer fine are you fine, do you, fine, do you fine. Uh, i felt a little bit of a little bit of a trigger there from you maybe is that a, is it a soft spot for you <laughs> <laughs> no okay not at all not at all not at all okay okay but i have some more uh, rock and roll stories i have uh, a you know you know Susie sue Susie of the course Susie and the banshees sure okay I love Susie and the Banshees. I'm a big, you know, I had this thin tie back in the day, the new wave kind of. Mm-hmm. Back in your Debbie Gibson days, huh, David? Back, yes, yeah, back, back in the day. We'll get to that in a minute. And I, I had some mutual friends that knew, that knew Susie Sue back in Los Angeles. So she was visiting with Budgie. I guess they were recording an album. So they asked me if we want to go to Santa Anita. I said, yeah, I'll drive. So I went over and I picked up. I picked up Susie Sue. She's in the back of my Toyota Tercel, which we talked about. <laughs> Corolla, Corolla, Corolla. There, she's in the back of my Corolla. We're driving to Santa Anita. Now, I, I got to tell you this. You said Santa Anita, like the horse racing track? The racetrack. The racetrack. Let's the take track. Susie and the Banshees to go play the ponies. Just Susie Sue. Yeah. Okay. So I, now this is before magic and I am shy, <laughs> shy, shy. Uh-huh. I didn't, I said Marble probably. 10 sentences sentences to her during the whole time. Mm-hmm. I was so taken by her that, mm-hmm. that Susie Sue, who I am, I, 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 I look up to. Like if I had Dua Lipa in the back of the Tesla yeah. sweating bullets. So we go to Santa Anita, we have the day. I hardly say anything to her. I'm so, I'm scared shit. And we get home, I drop her off and like that. A month later, I get a letter in the mail. This is all way be- a long time mm-hmm. ago. But I get a letter in the mail and it's from Susie Sue. And she's taking the piss out of me, talking how much I was so shy and blah, 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 <laughs> and kind of a little love letter. And I can't tell you that just oh. that was not, not a love letter in real, but just taking the shit out of me, you know, just because she wow. knew I was, I was shy. So it just kind of like, oh, it was kind of cute and sweet and endearing. What a cool were- thing. It was a cool thing. And the worst thing is I don't have that letter to show for it. I have no idea where it is. But- I was hoping you had that. You know, I was really hoping you had that. Damn. <laughs> David, you... you- You've lived a lot of life. Give us one more. He's got another one. I have uh, one which is recent history. Um, maybe four years, five years ago, COVID's throwing me off. But um, mm-hmm. I was on a plane in Europe. I, I was a plane in England. We were leaving 
we did a festival and I'm on the plane. I was sitting next to Joe. There were three seats on one side. Joe is one seat over and I decided I want to sit next to him. So I moved over to the other, the other side of the plane. There was one gentleman over there. The gentleman looked at me. We I sat down and we're, the rest of the flights going on. And all of a sudden my manager was, was with us and the world cup was happening at the time. So we started talking about the World Cup, and this gentleman next to me started chiming in, and there was a whole discussion going on about World Cup. And at that point, I realized, I kept looking, I'm talking to him, it's Robert Plant. Oh, I'm sitting next shit. to Robert Plant, right? <laughs> shit. So I am like, whoa, the conversation's going, and we're having a great time. The plane lands. The conversation is still going. Everyone's having a great time. We get off the plane. We're all still talking. We go to baggage, pick up our baggage. We're all still talking. Mm. We go out to the port to get our, our vehicles to go where we're going. We're still talking. Mm. And then finally, he inv- introduces himself and he goes, I want to introduce myself. And my manager says, we all know who you are. And then, and then, <laughs> and then Robert Plant who, who says, who are you guys? He goes, we're the Pixies. He goes, oh, Boston's finest. What? At that point, I could have, you could have shot me right then. <laughs> Robert Plant knew exactly who we were and knew about us. That, oh, that's so good. That blew me away. So anyway, let me jump ahead. Now we're jumping ahead four months. And my manager calls me and said, Robert Plant called. He wants you to open up for us for seven shows in the Whoa. US North American Whoa, tour. Fuck. Wow. Oh, oh, wow. This is, you know, this is a chance meeting. This all happened. So we get on that. And Robert Plant has laryngitis and he cancels, I think, I don't know, a number of shows. We, did, we actually did, I think, three shows with him that turned out. But anyone, every night he would come down to the dressing room hang out with us. And one night he comes down, he goes, David, he's talking to me. He goes, you're, you're an awesome drummer. He goes, my drummer. I don't know. I, he was just lamenting on his drummer. And I'm like, oh God, oh, no, 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 no. So anyway, we wished him well. It was all great. Now I'm jumping ahead. This is four months later. Mm-hmm. My crew, they're all British. Not all British. We have some Americans in our crew. Uh, my drum tech, Chumpy, He's British. And what he, uh, Chumpy and Duncan, they also sub for Radiohead when we're not, we're not on the road. Chumpy and Duncan are working Radiohead too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so Chumpy gets to meet with, uh, they're doing a show, I don't know, Radiohead or I don't know what it was with, um, Robert Plant. Mm-hmm. And Robert Plant knows Chumpy because he met him with the Pixies and he goes, how's yeah. David doing? He asked him how I was doing. Damn. And is love he it. still drumming like that? I love it. Now, Chumpy told me this and this shook me. Robert Plant went back on the tour two months later. He had a new drummer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and all oh. I can think of, he was looking at me maybe. To t- that should have <laughs> been you. That should have been you. That should have been you. That was, that was just, I mean, Led Zeppelin to me is just, that was a just killer, killer, killer. Yeah, killer. no, that's wild. That's the beauty of, of, I feel like, festival stuff is that you really are with everyone and you never know. I mean, this could have been different, but I feel like that happens more often than it ever has with the popularity of the festivals. Yeah, a camaraderie. There's a nice thing about festivals where everyone is equal. It's not, um, it's not support acts. I mean, there is, there is billing acts, billing yeah, stages yeah. as far as it goes, but like that. You guys are all shitting in the same toilet at the end of the day. <laughs> yes, mm-hmm. that's it. We all enjoy the same porta potty. Yeah. yeah. May I, I have one more story about David Bowie. May, may I? Yeah. yeah, recent birthday. We, we celebrated his birthday just a few days. Yes, ago. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, David Bowie was a massive Pixies fan. He loved the Pixies. And, um, and Tin Machine, he, ca- he ca- covered, I forget which song he did. And um, he would take us to dinner. We knew we, just David Bowie. I knew him as David Jones uh, yeah. uh, as far as it was. But um, uh, one of my things, I should say, 
when I was a kid, not having traveled, being in Massachusetts in a suburban house, I always wanted to be at like a Bavarian festival <laughs> with <laughs> an opa band with the, the, the ladies with the Lederhosen and Oktoberfest type of thing. Table. Oktoberfest. Okay. That was, that was some kind of hidden kind of thing, a, a fantasy that I wanted. <laughs> you little pervert. <laughs> <laughs> and okay. we, I happened to be in Munich with the, the Pixies and Bowie was finishing his, his tour, whatever tour that was. He was having an end of the show party. So we were all invited. We went, he had a tent and he held the picnic tables, the whole lederhosen, the beer, the sausages, the whole deal. So David Bowie made a fantasy of mine come true. I can actually say wow. <laughs> that he, he did it. God but bless. Damn. God bless. Wow. I feel like you got to get a podcast of your own here, David. Yeah. I, you... I mean, at least the memoir. At least the <laughs> memoir. Honestly. I... Oh, I, I, I can keep going, but <laughs> I mean, honestly, it's like, it's really interesting. I mean, it's just like, you've done it for so long. You know what I mean? You've just been around and like, there's, there's such benefits to yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. It's been, I mean, since 1986. So that's what, uh, 20, 40 years, 40 plus years that I've been doing something, you know? So, and it's so cool. I mean, you've been doing it for so long, so legendary, but also like, you know, you're telling all these stories that are just as relevant and interesting and entertaining as, you know, in 2022, it's. It's pretty crazy. It maintains. Oh, cool, cool. It maintains. Cool. Damn. Like cool. as soon as I'm done with this, I'm gonna take a shower and then my, I'm gonna tell my, my girlfriend's gonna be like, "Oh, who's on the pod today?" And I'm gonna say, "Oh, David from the Pixies." She's gonna be like, "What the fuck? You, you talk to the Pixies today?" It's true. It's true. It's true. And she's like, "What do you guys talk Thank about?" You. I'm like, "Metal detection mostly." <laughs> J- Jason, Chris, can I add another couple of stories? Like, yeah, go crazy. Yeah, yeah, why not? Uh, okay, because I'm an electronic engineer. I'll just go into the electronics portion of it. But okay. um, you know, save the best for last. This is around 1970. You know, cable TV came in around 1977, something like that. I can't remember. Mm-hmm. But I figured a way. Well, to steal cable TV. And what I would do is I would climb the telephone poles and I would, I would just hitch up your, your house <laughs> and, and, and put cable in rather than the cable guys. So <laughs> what had happened was I did it to my parents' house. And, um, what they did is HBO back in the day used to be broadcast on channel three. And what they did is they, they had a, I would say a filter or was a blanker, it was called. And it would be when you put on channel three, it would be like, so you couldn't watch. HBO. It was impossible. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And what I found was if you took 300 ohm lead, not 75 ohm cable or coaxial mm-hmm. cable, but 300 ohm flat lead, if you were to attach it to your TV, now back, back then TVs had UHF and VHF terminals on the back. Sure. And you could t- attach to your VHF terminal with alligator clips rather than the cable that's going in from the, from the, like I said, the cable TV, you attach another flat line piece of wire to that cable and what you do is with a pair of scissors you keep cutting it mm-hmm. you keep cutting it and you'll see that it acts as, as like a, a like a band tuning kind of thing and you can actually get hbo in <laughs> it causes kind of a, a trap a signal trap and okay. doing that to get hbo so i would do that then then the cable company found out what what was going on so they put these filters on the pole and these were things that went up on the pole and then the cable uh into the into the um connector and then the cable would go into it and then go to your house all i would do is i would get a ladder at night and i would unscrew that and i would go back to my flat lead and I would watch bo so what they did is they figured out that they would put a sheath over this so there's no way you can unscrew it from the telephone pole. Oh. Impossible. Challenge accepted, David says. This is where drumming, this is where drumming came in, especially Ludwig <laughs> drums. Ludwig <laughs> drums 
use an octagonal kind of um, key to, to, to take off their toms, which is the same kind of thing that would fit, fit over a coaxial F connector. So what I did is I built a shaft. Oh, I cut a line through it that would, I cut a line through this long thing that would go through a coaxial cable, slide up into the, 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 the sheath over it. And then I could unscrew the cable. So I'd climb at night, all dressed in black. And I would take this off, I would <laughs> take the, the filter off and I would take the whole thing. I'd go watch HBO again. And the, the cable company wouldn't do anything because, you know, they're not going to prosecute anyone who's, you know, it's, right. it just wasn't going to happen. So I kept, Getting it and doing it and getting it and doing it and getting it and doing it. So anyway, I found out that that filter that I took off, if I pulled the sheath off it, an inner sheath, and I used a tuning, a tuning key on it, mm-hmm. I could actually use it as a filter, a real filter, to filter out the, 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 the scrambling signal of HBO better <laughs> than my flat lead. And that actually... It came in crystal clear. At that point, I advertised to all my friends for $50. I would climb your pole. I'll put an <laughs> HBO for you. And I did that all over the town. <laughs> wow. You're, look, David, I'll, I'll say one thing about you. You're an enterprising guy. <laughs> well, David, David knows the power or, well, you know, the, the supply and demand of softcore pornography. People <laughs> exactly. are willing, That's you know, true. back then times were tough, right? There's nothing people wouldn't do to get now, that. Now, can I jump ahead to two? Let me jump ahead to two 1990. Yeah, uh, 1994. Okay, so we're moving to 94. This is our last story, by the way, David. I'm sorry. Okay, this is it. This is it. This we'll have you back on now, for more. Fo- don't worry. Cell phones, just cell phones are all new now. Cell phones are all mm-hmm. new. They're all those flip phones, all that kind of analog, analog phones. Mm-hmm. I was into electronics, and I found that I had a Radio Shack scanner called the Pro 26 that I could modify, and I could receive 800 megahertz. All the cell band, I could pick up every cell tower <laughs> all around me. I could hear every phone communication that was going on. So that's what I did. <laughs> and I would run a, a um, not a VHS, a beta tape on slow. And I would record all the phone communications. I was living in North Hollywood at the time. Mm-hmm. And I could record everything that was happening. I was picking up Joe Pesci, Bob Barker, murder, everything Shit. that you did. <laughs> you name it. You name it. Everything you talk about on the phone, uh-huh. which is normal, but then, and then plus, and I, and I said the word desensitized and that's what it is. I got desensitized. Yeah, I'm sure it was something because what I'm hearing is horrific. I mean, not only gang things with murder and incest and, 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 um, cheating and uh-huh. everything. I mean, I'm hearing everything <laughs> on, the, on the, on the phone like that. And I even had a scanner that I had a unit that I could have in my car. That if anyone came near me in the nearby, it would tune to their cell frequency. I could hear anyone that was in my so immediate range. It would lock onto them. So anyway, with, with this know-how, I built a DTMF decoder. And DTMF decoder is, <laughs> you know, a, a touch-tile phone? You know, yeah, boop, yeah. Boop, 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 boop. Yeah, yeah. This one would display the numbers that were hit on. Mm-hmm. So if you hit a two, it would display two, or three, four, five, six, something like that. Mm-hmm. I hitched it up in my scanner. And with, now that I have my scanner, I get information now. So not only do I, I get banking codes, 
I get <laughs> calling codes. I get everything. So I can call and go into any system whatsoever or discern whatever it is and find out what it is by the touch tone. So somebody is like, you're calling something and like, okay, now enter your social security number. And it's yes. being like, okay, nine, four, yes. three, seven, eight. One. I have it all. Okay. I can get it all. I got, I could go into anyone's banking. I never did this. Mm-hmm. I never did uh-huh. this. I could go into anyone's banking and do anything I pleased. The only thing I did was I got a call one time <laughs> and it was two houses behind me and it was the girlfriend of one of the Backstreet Boys. <laughs> and the information that I got was I got the a conference call number that was going to happen the next morning with the Backstreet Boys. <laughs> so the next morning, I go to a payphone. I put the coin in and I enter the conference call number and I sit there on the phone and it answers. I enter the calling the conference call number, and I'm into the conference with the Backstreet Boys. And then this is pre-Zoom, so nobody it. knows that you're there as long as you don't. Nobody as long as you're quiet, I'm there. They no, they they know it's the caller there, mm-hmm. and all they're saying is AJ. Is that you, AJ? And I go, no, this isn't AJ. I go, this is David. I go, <laughs> what did I say? Oh, I said, I said some line like, "Is your something about a bed sleep number or?" A, Something I can't remember. It was some line, like a joke line that I hung up. <laughs> that was what it is. But I got actually into the Backstreet Boys conference call with their lawyer. What a different time. <laughs> Jesus Christ, man. It's Jesus Christ. Uh, David, David. What, a, what a pleasure. Honestly, what a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, Chris, Jason, it is awesome. Thank you for having me. I was, gentlemen, it was awesome. It was our, our treat. And, and hopefully, uh, you know, our COVID problems will clear up and we can get you guys back out on the road again. And then... Uh, you know, we don't need backstage for the Greek, but, you know, <laughs> floor seats would be nice. And then we can kind of, you know, break bread after that, of course. Yeah, I'm more of a laminate guy. Jason's fine with GA, but I need a, I need at least a sticky, David. You know what I'm talking about. Uh, you know what I'm talking about. All right. Triple A, Triple A, David Lovering. Thank you for joining us. Uh, we'll talk to you soon. Great, gentlemen. Anytime you want to go to the show, let me know. All right. All right. We will. Okay. Thank you. Guys, thank Later. you so much. All right. Bye-bye. Later. Later.